actually is a little weird. But we'll get in the swing of things before too long. Let's all stand. God is so good to us. Amen. We are gathered together tonight in His presence to receive of Him, to lift up His name, to look to Him. Amen. We're not looking to a man. We're not looking to any one human being. We're looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. He's our provision, our righteousness, our joy, our peace. He's everything we have need of tonight. Amen. Let's call out to Him for as long as the Holy Ghost would. Let's call out to Him. Let's entertain His presence. Let's wait upon Him tonight. And let's see what He will do in our midst this evening. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for You. We are so thankful that You are the God of our salvation. That You are our Creator. That You love us with a love that we cannot comprehend. That agape love that only You possess. Thank You, Jesus, for all that You have given to us. Thank You, Jesus, for all that You've done for us. Thank You, Jesus, for the manifestation of Your presence in our services here. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that Your mercies are renewed unto us every morning. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You are our King. You are our Lord and our God. Hallelujah, Jesus. There is no one else. There is no God beside You. There is no Savior beside You. You sit upon the throne all by Yourself. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Our Lord is one. Thank You, Jesus. And His name is Jesus. And we worship You. And we praise You. And we laud and we magnify You. And we heap glory and honor unto You this evening. Hallelujah, Jesus. We look forward to all that You have in store here. We are ready to receive all that You have for us tonight. Help us, Lord Jesus, I pray again, to be doers and not hearers only. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be responsible for that You give us here tonight. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We are Your people and we are so thankful for You. Hallelujah, Jesus. We delight to be called according to Your name. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus, that You have baptized us into Your name, into Your family. Hallelujah, Jesus. You have given us Your precious name, Your wondrous name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We do worship You tonight. We are so thankful for You. We are so thankful for all that You have done. All that You are. Thank You, Jesus. We give glory and honor unto You tonight. Bless the people of God, I pray. Bless those within the sound of my voice, those joining us online. Provide for their every need, I pray. Minister to Your people. They are an exceeding good and precious people. They have been purchased with the holy blood of Jesus Christ. They have been covered with Your righteousness. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bless them tonight, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You tonight. Thank You, Jesus, for all that You have in store here this evening. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Amen, amen. Praise God. We serve an infinite God. He's infinite. He has no boundaries. He has no limits. We think of everything in those terms, but He doesn't. He doesn't. Whatever, whatever we have need of tonight, He can and stands ready to provide that need for you. He's promised us that. He wants to do that. Thank God. Thank You, Jesus. Not because we're worthy, not because we've done anything special, but because He loves us. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Amen. I've entitled this message tonight, <clears throat> Fresh Vision. It's not really all that fresh. I've delivered it before. I, I just kind of want to uh, remind us proper what the vision is, what the direction is, 
according to what I believe the will and plan of God is. Amen. And maybe some updates on that. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 through 45. This is where we'll get our scripture text tonight. 1 Kings chapter 18. Excuse me. Verses 41 through 45. We're pulling this account right after the account of uh, Elijah soundly destroying the priests of Baal. God answered his prayer by fire. Licked up the fire, licked up the, the wood, the water, the stones, everything. God wrought a great victory through Elijah. We're picking up right after that. Verse 41 says, Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of, Mar- uh, uh, to the top of Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth. And put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked, and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, saying to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Now, rain isn't in and of itself that big a deal. I mean, we get rain here, I think, more than we need, but uh, maybe not. But it's a fairly common occurrence. In this particular instance, There was a drought. There was a famine in the land. In fact, in 1 Kings 18 and 1, it says, It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So here was the promise that Elijah had. If I go show myself to Ahab, the drought is over. That's all I got to do. Well, if you know the account, Ahab was not exactly a God-fearing man. He was not 100% righteous in the sight of God. In fact, quite the opposite. Him and his wife, Jezebel, they did everything they could to stamp out the one true God. They brought idols in. They brought uh, abominable Services and rites, idols, altars, groves into Israel. He was not a righteous man. So when God said, go present yourself to Ahab, that was not a light thing, folks. That was not a thing that he was jumping up and down to do. But he did it. He went, and there was a man that met him there, he said, I need to speak to your master. And this man kind of thought the same thing. Uh, I, I don't want to do that. That's dangerous. Ahab doesn't want to see you. He doesn't like you very much. He said, I'm going to see Ahab today. This is going to happen. So, he went to see Ahab. And this is the account of that. It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? There was a drought in the land, a famine. And Ahab thought that Elijah's the reason for this. It can't be Ahab's fault. It can't be the the idol worship. It can't be the groves, the images. It can't be uh, sacrificing children to Moloch. It it can't be any of that. 
It's got to be God's prophet Elijah. He continues, and he answers, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel and Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Okay, so, we start off with a promise from God. God said, present yourself to Ahab. I'm going to send the rain. We continue down. He presents himself. And now, we see that before the promise comes, something else has to take place first, right? There's a fight that's about to ensue. There's a battle that's about to be waged between poor old Elijah all by himself and 400 prophets of Baal. This battle is important. This battle is important because it's going to determine in the eyes of Israel who's God. Folks, when God when God promises something, when God gives you a promise, God gives you a prophecy, God gives you something that, that you can hold on to, it doesn't come all at once. In fact, by and large, it comes after a fight. It comes after a battle. And if you're not comfortable with that fact yet, please get comfortable with it. Because as Christians, as Christians we are not called to a peacetime army. This is not a peacetime army that we, that we fell into here. This is a wartime army. It's geared for war. Not peace. Elijah had to fight this battle. Did he fight it alone? Absolutely not. God fought with him. In fact, he was more of a figurehead. He said some words, but God did the work, right? God did the work. And then we get to our Scripture text. After the battle was won, the promise still didn't come. Did Elijah not believe? No, he believed. Because he told Ahab. Here comes abundance of rain. But it wasn't coming yet. Elijah prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. Nothing. Prayed again. Prayed some more. Still nothing. Prayed again. Still nothing. How many times do we have to do this? I mean, this is something you promised, God. I'm not asking for this. You promised it. It finally came the seventh time. And it wasn't much of an answer. There's a little cloud. A little cloud like a man's hand. Not exactly a big tea storm coming. Not much of anything. But in Elijah's mind, that was the answer. That was enough. God had responded. Here comes. Here comes the answer. Get down and let him know. And be fast because the rain's coming. And sure enough, it came. It came. Just like God said it would. I highly doubt it came in Elijah's timetable. It certainly didn't come in the people of Israel's timetable. But it came. 
while ago, I shared the vision for this church that God gave me. That I don't think this is ever going to be a huge church. Okay, this will not be POA. It won't be. But it will be big enough and solid enough to train ministers, train ministry teams, to go out and plant churches. We will be a very strong mother church. And we will be able to support other churches until they get up and running. We're going to be able to send families to support that new pastor. So they don't have to start from scratch. My wife and I tried that. It's very difficult. So that's the overarching plan. That's the goal. I've got up here and I've preached from time to time. The great revival that I see happening. And I still believe that it's going to happen. In fact, I believe it's starting to happen. You know, <laughs> uh, this, this is one reason why I sometimes don't like listening to preaching. Especially right before I have to. <clears throat> because now I got somebody else's message in my head and it really fits so well with mine. God's message anyway, you know what I mean. <clears throat> Brother Shock, I think it was Monday morning. Monday or Tuesday morning, anyway, during camp. He talked about the transition that the church has to make from the kingdom of religion to the kingdom of God. Powerful message. Fantastic message. And he talked about end time revival. I think this is the same message. <laughs> we'll call it that. And he's like, I believe it. I believe we're going to get an end time revival. It's going to be huge. It's going to be awesome. Something we've never even seen before. But he, he continued and said, but I wonder how many people in the church are prepared to position themselves properly so that we can reap that harvest. The promise is given, folks. We have prophecies that speak specifically to the end times. I believe that we're in the end times. And so those prophecies apply to us. If I'm right. But they're not just going to come because God said it's going to come. Well, I could just wait for it to happen. Wouldn't that be nice? Jesus said we're going to get revival. So all we got to do is wait this thing out, folks. All we got to do is just sit here comfy and air conditioned and just wait this thing out until Jesus gives us the revival. We all know that's not the way things work. It's not how things work. God gave the promise to Elijah, but Elijah had some things to do, didn't he? And so do we. So do we. We've been doing them. As a church, we've been doing them. If you haven't as an individual... I encourage you to get on board because I'm telling you, folks, things are starting to break. Things are starting to happen. There are some some people in our church who are running into backsliders that they know. Just out of the blue. Just a great big coincidence. Of course it's not a coincidence. It's because we're praying. We're praying for the backsliders. We're praying for them to come home. New people. We've been making all kinds of contacts with new people. 
Folks, things are happening. Things are beginning to manifest in the physical. God heard our cry from day one. He heard it the very first day that you started praying. And that was, I have to imagine, well before my wife and I got here, my family got here. Under Bishop Parker, under Bishop Bell. You guys have been praying for a long time. God heard you the very first day. And things have been happening in the spiritual to make that come to pass. But it doesn't always manifest in the physical, not right away. But it is beginning to manifest. It's beginning to manifest. But this end time revival, <laughs> this isn't big enough, folks. It's not big enough. Now, the end time revival that I read about is huge. It's not going to be contained in a building. It's not going to be contained, and this is Brother Shock again, this is not, this is not going to be contained here. There's too many people that are coming in. And I... I believe at least one of the reasons we haven't seen a lot come in yet is because we can't take care of them yet. I prefer, I always have preferred, slow and steady. And I'll tell you why. I've heard all kinds of different stories about you know, people have revival at their church. They get a hundred people come in, get baptized, get the Holy Ghost. Next year, they're lucky if one of them is left. I would rather have just seen the one get the Holy Ghost and then work with that one. Get him grounded, get him rooted, get him solid. And then show him how to get someone. And then I can work with both of them. And then they can go get someone else. One at a time. Work with them. Ground them. Root them. I would much prefer that. I don't know what this end time revival is going to look like. I don't. But whatever it's going to be, we've got to be positioned. We have got to be prepared. We've got to be ready for when it happens. Now I know there's got to be at least one person here thinking, yeah, preacher, we've been hearing that for a decade now. Just like Jesus coming back. People have been preaching that since before, probably since before all of us was born. They've been preaching, Jesus is coming back. Got to get ready. But He is coming back. And we do have to be ready. God has a plan for this church. Not just this church. But this section, and not just this section, this district, not just the district, the country, the world. Part of the kingdom Brother Stock was talking about is making sure that we are not focused so much on Pentecostal this, Pentecostal that. How about kingdom this, kingdom that. We don't want people to join our church. We want people to, to enter into the kingdom of God. That's what we want. We're not starting a cult here, folks. We're building the kingdom of God. And that means that if the church down the road is having revival, we can rejoice with them. Because the kingdom of God is being built. It's being advanced. And we ought to be of the mindset, hey, is there anything that we can do to help you? Yeah, but, I mean, we're just throwing money away now. None of them are going to be coming to our church. There are people that think like that. And I hope none of them are here tonight. We're building the kingdom of God. 
And when it comes here, we're definitely going to rejoice. And I pray my brothers and sisters and in other churches, other towns are rejoicing with us. Because we're going to rejoice with them. The kingdom of God is moving forward. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Something else he said. It, uh, maybe I should just play that. <clears throat> It'd be a lot easier. <laughs> our, our preferences have to die. My personal preferences have to die. In a kingdom, we've got to realize that we have a king. And I don't get to tell the king how things are going to go. He mentioned a, a bumper sticker. God is my co-pilot. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. God's not your co-pilot. And you're not God's co-pilot. God's got this all by Himself. He knows where we're headed. And when we're good and ready, when God's good and ready, He's going to let us know. And then we're going to go that direction. Period. And if He wants to do it this way, and I'd rather do it that way, guess what? We're going to do it this way. Because it doesn't matter what I think. Ambassadorship. That's what he was talking about. I'm an ambassador. I represent Jesus Christ. I don't get to share my opinion. I'm an ambassador. The ambassador to Japan goes to the, the Japanese government. So, well, the United States government's position is this, but this is, this is what I think we ought to do. Can you imagine that? But we do that all the time. Aren't we ambassadors of Jesus Christ? We don't get an opinion. We don't have rights. This is a kingdom. We do as we're told. Our job as the subjects in this kingdom is to advance the purpose and plan of the king. That's it. That's what we're here to do. What an awesome privilege and an honor it is to do that. When I was growing up, I couldn't, I couldn't have imagined being a part of something like this. Being a part of such a wonderful kingdom. Having such huge purpose. What awesome purpose He has for all of us. It's absolutely amazing. God has a will and a plan for this church. And it's oftentimes different than what we see. <clears throat> but that's what we see. That's what we stay focused on. Prayer doesn't work. I've been praying for years. Nothing's happened. I've been praying for months. Nothing's happened. <laughs> I've been praying for minutes. God still hasn't answered. <clears throat> well, this gets back to faith in God versus faith in what I'm seeing. Now, it's very easy, especially for the carnal person, to focus on what I'm seeing what I'm experiencing, and God forbid, what I'm feeling. People feel all kinds of things, and I'm not minimizing emotions, okay? Maybe a little. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll pray through. I will. <clears throat> I just, anyway, forgive me. God gave us emotions. He gave us emotions. He has emotions. He, he's not controlled by them, though. Oftentimes we are. We must control our emotions. Nevertheless, we can't be guided by them. We can't establish truth by what we feel. We establish truth by what we read in Scripture. That's what we're building a foundation on. 
That's what my life, that's what our lives are built on. That's what my worldview is built on. The truth found in Scripture. Not in what I see in the moment. I see all kinds of crazy out there. I could easily come to the conclusion that God's left the building. He's gone. I I don't know what's controlling that, but it, it can't be God. But God is on the throne. Because the Word of God says He's on the throne. He's in charge, even though people are making dumb choices. They're living according to their own ideas of right and wrong. But God is still on the throne. And when He wraps all this together, it's going to be according to His perfect will. It's all going to serve His purpose. That means it's going to serve our purpose. Praise God. But we can't focus on what we see. The results, the results of our prayers are oftentimes in the physical. We want to see a healing. We want to see our lost loved ones saved. We want to see this, see that. But I don't believe God because of what I see. I believe God because of what He said in His Word. That's where my faith is based in. It's based in God's Word. I see all kinds of things. I could, I could easily make a doctrine that it's not the will of God to fill everyone with the Holy Ghost. Why would I say that? Because people come up and pray for the Holy Ghost and obviously God's telling them no. They don't get the Holy Ghost. So based on what I'm seeing, it must not be God's will to, to save everyone. Right? Did I come to that conclusion? Is that a right conclusion? That contradicts Scripture, doesn't it? So I can't always go by what I see. I can't go by what I feel. You know, there are people that are They've been delivered from things. But the enemy will come and tell them, no, you're not actually delivered. And they fall back into it. Because, and I'm still struggling with this, obviously God didn't deliver me. Yeah, He did. But you got tricked back out of it. The promise that God has given us is real. It's coming. Just as sure as I'm standing here in front of you, it's coming. I don't know when. It could be tomorrow. It could be ten years from now, should the Lord tarry. I, I'm not in charge of that. And neither are you. But what we are in charge of is pursuing that promise. Believing in it. Walking in it. Acting as if it is coming to pass. When we pray, we're praying in faith. Because we have a promise. And we're preparing for it. Because we believe it's going to happen. And in the midst of it all, there's a fight coming. This is something that's been preached a lot, not just by me. This Christian walk is not sunshine and tulips. It's not. It's joy, unspeakable, full of glory. It's peace that passes all understanding. But I'm not always going to be happy. I'm not always going to feel good. My days are not always going to be nice. And when you purpose in your heart to advance, to move forward, to draw closer to God, to become more like Him, 
I promise you, you got a fight coming to get to that place. The farther you want to go, the bigger the fight. The bigger the battle. The bigger the promise, the bigger the battle. I promise you that. I promise God's promise is going to happen. It's going to come true. But you got to fight to it. You got to get to it. We can't just sit on a pew and bide our time until Jesus comes and makes it all happen. That'd be great, but it's not going to happen that way. We got to go get it. Get after it. The promises that God gives us are awesome. They're wondrous. They're glorious. But we can't start thinking that they don't come without a cost. There's a price to be paid. We've got to position ourselves. We've got to be ready. And when the battle comes, we've got to fight it. We've got to get through it. One more thing. Brother Shock was praying. He just read a book on people being persecuted overseas. And uh, <laughs> he's put the book down. And he's praying, God, persecution never comes. Help me to deal with it like they did. And he said the Holy Ghost told him, persecution? You can't even handle interruption. idea of persecution is sometimes a little bit uh, tepid. <clears throat> a little bit weak. <clears throat> so, uh, we can't just expect it to happen. We have a part to play too. A very huge part. And if we don't play our part, then it will be played by someone else. The promise is going to happen. It's going to come to pass. But it might not come to pass through you. It might come to pass through someone else. As for me, I want it to come to pass through me. I want to be right in the middle of this thing when it takes place. That's where I want to be. I want to be positioned. I want the best seat in the house. I want to be right in the middle of that thing. Because that's where God is. That's where God's working. That's where God's doing miracles and signs and wonders. That's where the power of God is being manifest. And the whole time we've got to be praying. We've got to be praying. He said that his house would be called a house of prayer. Is our house a house of prayer? The reason people don't pray is because they don't believe anything happens. They don't believe it works. When I pray... This is how I was taught to pray. I pray based on Scripture. I try my hardest not to look at the present circumstances except to relate it to God in prayer. God, this is the circumstance. This is the situation. I believe You're the answer. I believe you got an answer here. you got a solution. I don't always know what the solution is. Sometimes I'll help him out with one. But more and more, I just say, God, take care of it. Just do something crazy. Do something wild. Blow my mind. And oftentimes he does. Oftentimes he does. And as an aside, 
let's not let's not predicate God's faithfulness based on what we're going through at the present. Let's not judge God's character by what we're going through in the present. I could be going through a fantastic day. God's awesome. And then I'm at the bottom of the barrel. And I'm like, God, where are you at? Why me? Why has it got to be this? People are so funny. <clears throat> and I'm people. God is faithful across the board. God is awesome no matter what. The promise that He gave you is going to come to pass. And if it is, if it is in your heart to serve Him, if it is in your heart to move closer to Him, and I pray, I pray, I pray that that's in every one of our hearts, is to become more like Him, to draw closer to Him, to hear His voice clearly, to feel His touch, to spend time in His presence and allow Him to transform us from carnality to spirituality, from old person to new person. If that's, if that's the purpose of your heart, it's not going to come easy. But I promise you, whatever price you pay is totally worth it. It's so worth it. To have a clearer picture of who God is. To be able to, to hear His voice clearly. To see Him clearly. The things that people struggle with. Everyone has a struggle. Everyone has things that they bring into this. Baggage. Some people deal with that for years, for decades, and never seem to get victory over it. Why is that? If we would draw close enough to Jesus... A lot, of our, a lot of our problems are answered simply by building a relationship with Jesus. Drawing as close to Him as we can. <clears throat> speaking to people. Having a problem speaking to people. Can't teach Bible studies because they might ask me a question. Uh, I, can't, I can't witness to someone because I don't know all the answers. I don't know the person. Those kinds of things go away when we draw close to Jesus. They go away. I know that because that's what happened for me. I had a problem with all that stuff. I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to look like an idiot. And my, my reasoning that I didn't want to look like a fool was because I didn't want to be a bad witness. I don't want to make Jesus look like a fool. Can you imagine? You're not going to make Jesus look like a fool, folks. You won't. <clears throat> and if you'll step out in faith, but you can't step out in faith, not confidently, unless you have a relationship with God. But if you have that close relationship with God, if you'll walk with Him daily, if you'll spend time daily with Him in prayer, no matter how you feel, spend time with Him daily. Pray always. Go to the bathroom, pray. Go to the computer, pray. Pray during lunch. I mean, you don't have to be like, Oh God, oh God, oh Jesus. During your lunch break. You don't have to do that. But you can have an attitude of prayer. We truly can pray always. We should always have an instant line of communication with God. That should be our first reaction to pretty much anything is a communication line with God. Taking it to Him. Casting our cares on Him. We should go to Him first. We should go to Him often. Whenever we can. He died. He died for the privilege of building a relationship with us. He died for that. He didn't have to. He could have wiped us all out and started from, from scratch or not started again at all. 
what he did. He took care of our sin. He took care of the relationship problem. He took care of every problem. And He's giving us, given us these exceeding good and precious promises. Promises that we stumble over. Promises we struggle with. Trying to grasp. Where's the catch? Where's the butt? Where's the fine print? There is none. There is no fine print. What you see is what you get. But those promises, those exceeding good and precious promises, they oftentimes come with a price. And as good as the promises are, people aren't always willing to go through what they need to go through to get to the promise. Elijah, I can't imagine, wanted to see Ahab. They weren't best buds. I probably didn't have a lot to talk about. But God said, if you do, rain's coming. So he went. He fought the battle he needed to fight. He prayed until the victory took place. Until the rain came. He did everything he had to do. Are we willing to do that? Or are the promises good only if they're free? I don't believe that today. I don't believe that one bit. I can say now with a fair degree of confidence that I know all of you. And I think I'm speaking to a people that are willing that have paid the price. You're not novices. You guys have been around this for a while. I will offer to the Lord that which costs me something. Why not? What right do I have to ask the Lord for all of these things and not be willing to do something in return? What right do I have to do that? Where does that kind of a attitude even come from? Psalm 126.6 says this, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Before we get to rejoice in the day, folks, we're going to go through a time of night. A time of weeping. Have we wept for the promise of God? Have we shed tears over our lost loved ones, the backsliders? Have we shed tears over our family, our brothers and sisters? Rejoicing will come. Mark my words. It's coming. But will it come through us? I believe with all of my heart, yes. Yes, it will come through us. Because we will pay the price. We are praying. We will pray. We have paid the price. We have paid prices for the promises of God. We will continue to do so. Because He's my King. And whatever He asks of me, I'll give it. 
I have nothing anyway. It's all His to begin with. My life is His to begin with. So I guess in a sense, I really don't have anything to give Him after all. It's already His. All I can do is just say yes. Submit myself to God. I'm excited, folks. I'm excited for the promises of God. I'm excited for what's beginning to break, the cracks that are beginning to to appear. I'm jacked. I'm stoked. However you want to say it, I'm very excited. But now that I see the cracks, some of you see the cracks, that doesn't mean we sit back and wait for it to bust open. Now we double our efforts. We press harder. We go farther. It's a sprint to the finish. And when all is said and done, I want to make sure I've left everything on the field. Amen. When I get called to glory, I want nothing left. Amen. I believe I'm in good company there. Praise God. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, promises you've given us are yea and amen. And they are so awesome. They're sometimes overwhelming to us. We've been taught that if something's too good to be true, it probably is. Your word is too good to be true. But it is true. It's true altogether. It's true absolutely. From cover to cover, it is altogether true. We will stand on it, no matter what the cost. We will fight to the very end. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are not only our King, our Lord, but you're also our Captain. You are the one that teaches our hands to war and our fingers to fight. Thank you, Jesus. You have given us armor here and not robes. That for a reason so that we can fight. Help us to not shun the battle. Help us to not fear the enemy. But help us to face him boldly with the realization, the truth, that you fight for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're about to do in our midst. We give you glory and honor in these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you.